Hey, right. You don't fancy sitting in the middle, do you, so I don't get a quick neck looking at you? Is that all right? Um, we're really, really thankful for you to give us a, a bit more time and stick around and hear some more things. We're going to tell you about things that are going on. Uh, we're going to give you a chance to ask questions about them, and uh, we're going to um, encourage you to try and understand why we're doing what we're doing. There is, um, Caleb and Summer have kindly offered to look after kids in the end room, so there's a measure of um, kid care there, but you've got to be gracious to them because it's not an easy job. There's pizza on its way, and when the pizza arrives, you can eat it while I talk, and that'll be kind of optimizing our time together, and that'll reduce the number of questions you can ask as well, which will be ideal from my point of view. Um, And we will be done in 90 minutes or less. My goal is a lot less than 90 minutes. But if there are great questions, then we'll take those questions. If you want to ask questions um, anonymously throughout, there's another pigeonhole. The code is Hope City Hub. Hope City Hub. And uh, I would encourage you just to hop in there just now. And that's our kind of uh, anonymous. Or you can be anonymous in there. You don't have to be anonymous. You can be anonymous if you like. But um, that's a place to ask uh, any question at all about the church, and we will try and answer those questions. Uh, anything at all, you can ask anonymously or anonymously. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about um, the building project. Hey, we're in a building. We've always had a building project. Uh, I wanted to bring you up to date on what happened there. We're going to talk about joining the core. What is this core thing and how we're going to join it? Well, let's talk about that in a minute. Um, mission and our next steps in our shared mission. Uh, appointments. We've got a couple of appointments we're making um, that I want you to know about um, because they're significant. And then finally, time for a Q&A. So ask good questions. We'll be here forever. Uh, don't have good questions and we can all be done by half past 12. It should be brilliant. So let's start by updating you on the venue. I was trying to start uh, by thinking back and figuring out how long we had been working on this um, venue project. When did things start? Well, we moved out of Charlotte Chapel's basement, um, Easter 2018, and we moved into the Novotel. Um, When we formally launched as a church, we knew pretty quickly that was only going to be a temporary solution. Uh, One year ago today, as it turns out, at our um, September 2018 Church Hub, we showed you two potential venue options in this area. I wonder if you remember these. Who remembers the white-topped shed or my personal favorite, the gigantic empty warehouse? I loved that warehouse. I really wanted that warehouse to work out. It was gargantuan. And uh, it turns out um, it it would have been a nightmare to heat and uh, impossible to fit out. So God was very good to us. Neither of those worked out. And uh, then in November, we introduced our new hope. Um, A new hope. Come on, screens. Grindy, grind, grind. Grindy, grind, grind. Yes, we introduced our new hope. Um, we found this building. Uh, we began negotiating on it. There was a pretty long list of big concerns. Are the landlords just going to walk away? Is somebody else going to snap it out from under us? It looked too cheap. Um, so I thought there was something fishy going on, or at least somebody else would take it first. Are we going to be allowed to change the planning category? This is meant to be an office block. You can't do church in an office block. You have to change the formal kind of zoning of it. Could we, um, could we afford it? If they charged us VAT and rates, we would not have been able to pay for this um, building. Um, And how would we manage turning this into a church home anyway? So we had a lot of questions in November. And by January, we worked through a bunch of those and decided we were going to push ahead uh, into the detail. We had an agreement with the landlord in principle on terms. We put in our planning application. We had a draft layout of the space. And the draft layout um, with my scribbly lines on it and, and arrows and things is broadly where we ended up. So it's not so bad. 
and uh, we got a realistic cost for the work. So, February. Sorry, I'm walking you through the calendar, but just so you remember, it's good to remember. February, we got planning permission, finally, after a last-minute wobble. Um, you should ask Carolyn um, for the tale of the wobble, and uh, it will make your hair stand on end. Um, but we got it, which is great. We put in our application for a building warrant, and we thought we were making headway in agreeing the lease. That's February. Uh, March, the Novotel told us, the hotel we were meeting in said, uh, we're done, thanks very much. We're going to refurb in the summer. Can you just go away? Um, so we put a big plan um, to you as a church with uh, as much detail as we put together. We said bare minimum cost for the essential fit-out was £65,000, according to our quantity surveyor. Uh, we thought that was a, a, a huge stretch, um, but just about feasible. It's about what we um, are given as regular income in one year. It's about one year's regular giving was the £65,000. Uh, if everything worked out from a time point of view, We thought in March that we could be in by July. It's an incredibly short run for a build, but we thought it was possible. And we thought that running this building ongoing would cost us about £60,000, which is still right about our estimate for what it will cost us to run this building. And £60,000 is just about feasible. Um, so well done to that forecasting team. And we, we showed you back in March our pledging tool. Who remembers the lovely pledging tool with bars and arrows and clicky things? I love techie stuff, don't I? There we go. Middle of April... We finalized all our sums. We launched pledging for real. That 65000 that the QS estimated, well, the builder came back and said, how about 100000 um, And We thought that was a total non-starter, so we cut back. Um, we lost some things we wanted to do. We haggled, and uh, we made a lot of tweaks, and uh, we got it down to 75000 so there's our starting point. 75000 for the building fit out. Uh, we worked through the detail of all the stuff we're going to need to put into this building beside the walls, like these lovely chairs you're sitting on. And um, we had built ourselves a, a £40,000 shopping list for things. But of that, 18000 uh, essential, unless you like sitting on the floor. So 18000 essential, uh, 93 total there. Okay, and we thought that is too much money. So the elders agreed we'd be willing to take a, a 30000 loan. That's what we planned on doing there. And so we took 30,000 of the least exciting building work, things labeled on the contracts, things like um, contingencies and uh, preparations for works, boring things like that. We thought, ah, we'll look after those. We'll take a loan for those. And you can pledge for exciting things like putting up walls and uh, installing loos. It's not that exciting, really, to install a loo. But that's, that was the plan. Um, so on April the 14th, just April the 14th this year, we somewhat nervously asked you to pledge at least £66,000. That was our, it's just not going to work if we don't get to 66000 It's just not possible. And, and you smashed it out of the park. You pledged 84000 in just a, just a few little short weeks. Um, well over the essentials. Into the desirables, that's part why we got more than 100 chairs. Uh, it's part of how we managed to upgrade our projectors to these whizzy ones that are slightly out of focus. I'm fixing that, just haven't got there yet. But they're, they're, they're good projectors. Um, so more, uh, the, the, the pledging was greater than what we thought was needed. Well, it took ages, and it was a real fiddle in the end to get the landlord to agree the contract. It went on for months just negotiating on the, the legal details and words here and there and who's responsible for the lift if it breaks down and you know who's allowed to put bins in our... Oh, it was just nightmare. So um, we signed the contract almost immediately before the builders came on site in May. Uh, the builders came on site in May or slightly before we had a building warrant. Um, so they did things you're 
allowed to do probably without a building warrant, like taking down walls and preparing the site. And then just at the last moment, right when we needed it, uh, we, got the, we got the warrant. Much of the building work was actually pretty smooth. If you were on site, you would have seen it move forward quite quickly. It looked pretty easy. There are a few little oddities, like there was a wall um, that looked like just an ordinary wall. And when they investigated, it was made out of block work supporting a huge water tank. And we had to adjust our plans to work around that. But remarkably, we managed to start meeting here at the end of June, just before the holidays, just as the Novotel shut up shop. Who, who was here on that first Sunday in camp chairs uh, on the floor? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't too bad, right? You had to avoid falling through the open holes in the floor with, uh, with nice big hazard warnings around them. There was only one working loo in the building and exactly one working tap. Um, but those were the days, right? Actually, I don't miss those that much. I'm kind of all right with this version. This is a better version. Now we are, we're like inches away from calling the work done here. Um, there are two snags that I know of that are outstanding that the builder hasn't dealt with, and I'm hoping they're going to come back and deal with. Um, there's some plans that we have for the building uh, in terms of the fit-out and the furnishings that we haven't finished, like there's no audio relay in crash. Uh, we've got the equipment. Uh, we just need to plug it together and configure it. So things like that are still happening, but we're really quite close um, to where we want it to be. Let me bring you right up to date with where we are on um, money. So... Uh, there were some oversights in the building contract. Uh, our quantity surveyor drew up an incredibly detailed list of things that had to be done, um, but he missed some, uh, like extending the fire system or putting lights in the toilets, but it was a bit dark without lights, so we needed to put lights in the toilets. Uh, we had a contingency for that, but it wasn't big enough, so we spent more than those 75000 we'd intended to. Some things we figured out along the way we needed the builder to do that we hadn't expected or that we just hadn't got our heads around, like putting wires to the projectors on the roof behind the walls. Um, it's not a job for us, so glad to get them to do that. Uh, we spent a bit more on that. Uh, there were some things in the contract that when the builders got to them, they turned out to be so incredibly hard um, that uh, we agreed an increase, like the, the firewall. So this, this wall here runs straight across the building, and it's a super uber duper firewall. It reaches above the ceiling to the metal frame and down below, and it'll last forever. So you know, if you ever are in the middle of a fire, then cross to the other side of the firewall, and you'll be safe for a very long time. It'll be great. But it turned out to be really hard to make that meet the metal above the ceiling and weird stuff like that. Um, so we... Uh, we agreed an increase for some. Other ones the builder tried to do and just couldn't do, um, like light switches. Builder had a good go at trying to make the lights switchable, and in the end they were like, we just can't do it. It's impossible. Uh, well, they didn't say it's impossible. They said, what you need to do is just take all the lights out of the building, uh, install an entirely new system from scratch, and that will be brilliant, just £25,000. Uh, and we said, don't think so. So that was, the, that was the end of that discussion. So we got somebody else in to do that, because you'll notice we have light switches, which can switch on and off lights which I appreciate so much. For the longest time, the office was on a motion sensor outside the office. So the lights would click off every few minutes, and you have to go outside and turn them back on and then come back in. Done! But it did cost us some money. Uh, And then the furnishings. Uh, The furnishings, we've had similar things happen. We forgot some things that were essential. We had a long, detailed list, and I still forgot stuff. Some things were more expensive. Some things were less expensive. Some things we just didn't need in the end, and it worked out okay. Numbers. Who likes numbers? Just so I know how long I should talk about numbers. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Not many people like numbers. A little bit of numbers likeage. Okay, so we'll do the numbers quite quickly. Uh, here's the money end game for you. Uh, 
You like, you like numbers? Okay, well, in terms of furnishings, we spent £23,500 on them. It's a bit more, uh, there's a bit more planned to spend still. So most notably, we've got some blinds that we want to put up on this wall and uh, a few other things like that. Um, so we had about £3,000 of spending beyond what we planned in that twenty-three. We uh, saved about 3000 in that 23 um, So net, we overspent our pledge amount by £179. It's pretty good going on 23000 isn't it? I was feeling all right about that. Um, alas, the, the main contract for the big work, like putting up walls and moving loose, is not nearly so tidy. So we said uh, we'd like you to pledge um, based on uh, a plan of 75000 for that. Uh, so QS said 65 Builder said 100 We negotiated it back to 75 and cut things. Uh, we're currently in dispute with the contractor over the final amount. Our, our surveyor thinks we should end up paying 73, which would be awesome. Uh, the builder thinks we should end up paying uh, about 100. Um, so I'm absolutely certain we're not going to end at 100. There's definitely things in the builder's um, assertion that are wrong. The QS is the professional, and ultimately their view will probably be determinative. But we're, we may well end up slightly higher. So. Uh, an, an estimate for you, 90 to 95 might be where we end up on this. Um, we've already paid most of this, by the way. There's just one last payment to go out to the builders, and it's the size of the last payment that's uh, in dispute. The extra works we had to get other people to do as well, uh, about £5,000 worth of extra works. Lighting, I, I actually watched them work on it, and it was really hard, and they did work on it for hours. So I think um, they, are, they are worth their wage and other things like that. It's going to be about 5000 when we're all done for that. So that is um, uh, 115 to 120,000, where we asked you to pledge based on 99. It's quite uh, a fair old gap. Okay, let's make this more exciting though. Um, there's our, our end game: 99 versus 120. How about this? Uh, you pledged um, just a little over 84,000, uh, but in fact, in the end, you gave more than you'd pledged, um, which was amazing. Most of this giving's internal; few external supporters but most of it's internal. Um, and then, just as we were getting to the stage where we are going to have to take out that loan, uh, we ended up with a, uh, a massive one-off donation um, towards the building project of £23,000, over £23,000. So that means the gap, um, which we were prepared to take out a loan on, um, we thought about 30, we were okay with 30, um, going down to 14, but then with the uh, higher costs, but the higher giving... We think we're about 6,000 off. It's a really small gap. It's amazing. Um, now, it's a bit more complicated than this um, for people who like numbers because of VAT and gift aid. So all of these costs here are pre-VAT, so they all cost us 20% more. All of the giving is pre-gift aid, so everyone who's eligible to receive tax back gets 25% more. Uh, everyone who isn't eligible to receive tax back gets nothing. We thought they were just about going to balance. It turns out it's not quite looking that way um, because the external gift is not gift aidable, and our estimate of the proportion of our internal giving that was gift aidable is slightly off. You don't care. Um, but <clears throat> we also carried a bit of a cash balance into this process, um, so it is going to be really, really close in the end when we land this plane. What does it mean? Here's what it means. Praise God. Uh, give praise to God. He has given us this building. Uh, he's enabled us to do it really, really well. This looks good. This feels good. This is pretty close to where we wanted to get to, isn't it? Uh, he's provided for us, so it looks like we'll be probably just about debt-free. 
uh, at the end of this. And after all, like, there have been plenty of complications and chaos and nervous nail-biting moments where we needed papers on particular days. The last thing we don't have is a completion certificate, by the way, um, which there's lots of complication around you don't care about. Um, but we're nearly there. Uh, in the chaos, it looks like everything is just about going to balance. Uh, more amazing stories I could tell you. Uh, we thought we were in big trouble because the emergency lighting was um, failed by the electrician totally. We were getting quoted thousands and thousands of pounds to fix it. Um, the landlord agreed to do it all for free. That's pretty good. like that one. Um, the landlord has written to us. They've given us written confirmation that they don't need us to take out any of our building work at the end of our lease here. We just need to leave it tidy and we walk away. Whereas what you'd normally expect is you have to return the building to them in what's called turnkey state, completely empty, all the walls gone, all the plumbing, everything removed. So that's maybe £60,000 we don't need to keep in our back pocket um, for you know, the end of our days here. It's wonderful. Uh, and there are more of these stories. God's been very, very good. So what we're going to do now is give thanks right now. Maybe a few of us could just pray and briefly um, give, give, God, blah, 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 give God thanks right now. for how it all just ended up so amazing and um, the numbers just worked out and Lord particularly for the very very hard work of those individuals who've been so invested in with their time in this project in Jesus name Amen Amen, Amen. And Lord, although we've seen uh, a lot of the things that have happened here about dates we were praying for and papers we were praying for and money we were praying for, uh, we want to acknowledge that there are many more things behind the scenes that we didn't even know. Uh, and we give you thanks for what you've done there too. Uh, Lord, help us to be able to look back, to see your faithfulness, to be encouraged by it, and to celebrate it together, to trust it as we go forward. Amen. Um, where do we go from here? Let's, let's use this building. Um, let's fill this building. It is um, brilliant to see things that are going on here, like um, the, the 2 Timothy 4 Trust. We're in on Saturday to use this as a venue for training uh, new teachers. Uh, the Women's Bible Study are using this as a gathering point on Friday mornings. Musicians are in here some evenings rehearsing. Um, multiply our training courses here uh, midweek, um, and uh, it's lovely to run that somewhere that it's not absolutely freezing, at least uh, not yet. And there's plenty of room for our growing team through the week. 
Uh, we will need to talk money again at some point soon. Um, like I said before, our best estimate for the running cost here was about £60,000 a year. We can cover that from our regular giving. And by the way, just so you know, almost all of our funding comes from internal giving. There's no uh, magic money tree in the sky, at least not one that we've managed to find yet. Um, uh, and um, there aren't a lot of people here willing to give us grants either, even though we've been working on that one too. Um, but we don't just run this venue. Uh, we also have operating costs for the church that aren't really venue-related. So we, we, uh, we have admin, finance, services, supplies. And then we want to be a church that's serious about training, um, serious about multiplying, serious about working towards planting. And that means people. And the reality uh, is that people are probably going to end up being the most expensive thing uh, here rather than buildings. So we're going to talk about money again pretty soon. But today I wanted to close out uh, on the venue saying thank you getting behind that. It's amazing what has been done and what's been possible here. Praise God, we are so close to the end uh, and it's looking really good. Can I answer any questions on the venue, uh, not just on the project and numbers, though on the project and numbers, but anything more generally about the, the, the venue as well? We'll have an open Q&A at the end. Can we use it for birthday parties? And the answer is yes. This is your church building. You can use it for birthday parties. Got to check there's nothing else going on at the same time. But yeah, absolutely. Are we insured for all of this? Um, well, I, I'm channeling my inner pet, I'm going to say, well, that depends on what you mean by insured and what you mean by all of this. Uh, we do have public liability insurance, which is the essential thing. So if somebody trips over a cable, uh, we're covered for that. Um, we've got a merger of some other insurance. The building's insured. If it was to be blown down in a hurricane or catch on fire, then the building would be rebuilt. That's covered. Um, but there are probably other things we could insure too um, that we haven't necessarily insured to the hilt yet. Sarah? What do you mean? Yeah, did you have a particular insurance in mind? Yes, when you've got kids for birthday parties, I think our public liability will cover that. Sorry, Sarah. Um, so the way capacity works, according to building control, is uh, a measure of the fire escape width and the toilet capacity. Um, our fire escape widths um, make us able to have something over 190 people in this space. Our female toilet capacity... Um, according to the regulations, means that we can only have something like 45 females in the building. And building control, um, their view is that um, all assemblies are 50-50 male-female. So the, the number on the building control drawings is 100, a capacity 100 for this room, based on the female loo um, provision. Uh, what we could do is add more female loos. That's fabulously expensive and totally unnecessary and ridiculous. Um, we could... Yeah. Um, we, we could pretend, but we've only got one cube in the male loos, so it doesn't really help us. Um, yeah, we could build more loos, or we could just say, this is not what the capacity regulations are intended to do. And the important aspect of the capacity regulations is fire escape, and we are absolutely certain... This building is so excessively overprovided with fire uh, equipment and escapages that the, there's no issue there. And the worst that could happen is that you may have to stand in a queue briefly after our short gathering. 
So the position we're taking is that, yeah, we couldn't consistently occupy this building with more than 100 people, and we don't consistently occupy it with more than 100 people. So that's, that's kind of how we're thinking about it. Does that make sense? And the regulations are not designed for this use case, and so they serve this use case badly. Any, any more questions about the building? I reckon we can get 200 chairs in this room. Uh, and that's the, that's the original number we were intending to get in. At 200, it is going to feel like you are standing in an elevator. And um, that's good, because when we get to 200, we want to be planting churches and sending people out. And so we won't be 200 for very long. Um, it's hard to say. It uh, depends on the kind of rate of growth that God gives us. What we've been seeing is something like a 15% growth year over year for the last couple of months. 15% growth in attendance year over year would take us there in seven or eight years, quite a long time away. Before that, earlier, we were seeing 25% growth year over year. That would see us there in year five. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but um, uh, our trailing 12-month attendance is 75 in total. Um, that's a sum of adults and kids. Uh, we use trailing 12 months because that eliminates seasonality, where attendance is lower over the summer and you have some big gatherings and things like that. 12 months gives you a comparable figure that you can always look between because all seasons are always included. So 75 is that magic number. And thanks to Derek for continuing to count our heads um, so that we know where we are. Um, I came from a data-obsessed company before this. I find it very hard not to have more data. <clears throat> Any other questions about buildings? <laughs> there are pizzas in this building. Who wants to go get pizza? Great. Let's get pizza. And then uh, one... Go get pizza. That's good. And then we'll carry on talking while you eat your pizza. But I'll talk while you eat. That'll be the deal. Ultimately, the numbers are really complicated. I was just trying to track down all the different numbers. It's like, they are all over the place. And in God's providence, we haven't run out of money yet. And we're not, we don't think we're taking a big gamble. We think we're, we're very close to sailing out of the back. Wait, on capacity or on? On the building. building. Capacity. Uh, I think there is... some window breaks in there, the, the ladders you throw out. It's not the fire. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's all the... the... Yeah, and I think there is a 0% chance that we will be assaulted over capacity is due to female loo provision on Sunday mornings. I think that's just never going to happen, ever. And if it does, then we'll do something. Um, it would be a pain if it did. We'll put some loos in the... Higher event loos for days where it's... Put me inside. It's probably what you need. It's about £200 a day. Yeah, yeah, and we'll just put them outside and say, look, there are leaves out there. It's cheaper than people, so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want this? Um, no, I better talk. Yeah. Um, the fire panel. Mm. Uh, no, um, we know how to clear it, um, but the landlord has not come back on. Why was there no fallout? What is the issue? None of that's happening. 
Right, for um, kindness to people who are listening to the recording later, uh, but also for efficiency of your time, you can keep getting pizza, you can eat pizza, it will all be um, good fun. You can, you can mill and uh, we'll carry on chatting. So that's Venue, part one. Um, praise God, what an amazing place to be just over one year after we publicly launched, right? It's just astonishing. Part two, um, joining the core. Um, what on earth are we talking about here? Why are we talking about this thing called core? Well, as a church, um, it is a, it's a key priority for us to welcome people who are still on a journey towards Jesus. Uh, it's absolutely essential that we allow people like that to feel at home among us, to feel they belong uh, to give them the time they need to explore faith, to try on following Jesus, um, to live alongside and among his followers, see what that looks like in real life. And we want our message um, to them really to be come and belong. So I want to say to all these different people, come and belong here. You're welcome here. Uh, we want you to be a part of this. We want you to feel a part of this. We're deliberate about inviting newcomers to quickly become active participants in the life of the church, we want them to feel to an extent uh, that they're part of the church to try and draw them further into the family. Um, that's what New Here is for. Uh, next one on the 29th, by the way, two Sundays away. If you've never been to New Here, come to New Here, and then you won't be new here anymore. It'll be brilliant. You'll be old here like we are. Um, so uh, the goal with New Here is to make a line that it is really, really easy to cross. It's just dead easy to walk across that first boundary, and uh, it means you're in. Uh, at the same time, there's some roles, um, some responsibilities, which your elders, that is the, the leaders of this church, um, believe shouldn't be open to just anyone. So teaching our children, for example, uh, we don't just let anyone teach our children. Leading public prayers. Before we allow someone to do things like that, we want to know where they stand with Jesus. We want them to uh, position themselves clearly. We want to know they're committed to following him. And we want to know that they're aligned with us as a church. Uh, or at least uh, you're aware of where we stand and willing to live inside that. So that's why we've got something called um, the core, this kind of inner ring. And uh, we don't talk about it much because we don't want to make a big thing of it. We don't want people who aren't ready to cross that line to feel like they're excluded. Uh, we tried to place that fence as far in as we could. We want to fence as few things uh, as possible and put up as few barriers as possible. But it is there. And uh, what I want to do today is to invite all of you, come and cross that fence. Um, come and join the very core of the church. Um, as many of you will know, we're a church plant sent out from Charlotte Chapel uh, at Easter just last year. And the way we've run things up until now is basically take everyone who is a member at Charlotte Chapel, who was formerly in membership there, and we treat them like they're part of this core. That's how we've managed to fence things like teaching the kids. Um, but as we move further on uh, in our journey as a church, it's really important we extend this invitation to come and join the core um, to everyone who's committed to Hope City. We don't just want to stick with an original group or build a clique or anything like that. Uh, we want to be a church that welcomes people all the way into the very center. Uh, and then we do that quickly where that's appropriate too. Um, no big delays, no unnecessary barriers. Um, so we're all on the same page. Um, so we're all sharing in the same steps. We're going to ask all the old Charlotte Chapel members um, to take that same step of joining the core. So we're going to ungrandfather your coreness. 
to use lots of unmeaningful terms. Um, and we're going to say, come on, come and join the core properly. What does it look like? Well, you know I love techie stuff. Um, so I built a, uh, well, we put together a form um, that you can fill out online. It looks a bit like that. You can't read it. It's a little bit longer than that. It stretches down to the floor, if I was to show you all of it. It asks, it asks some questions. Um, it wants to uh, get you to tell us about your own journey to faith uh, and um, your baptism Now, we're not a church that requires you to have been baptized as an adult. We are open on baptism, but we do think everyone should be baptized either uh, as a child and convinced that that's a real baptism uh, or as an adult uh, or as a professing believer. Sorry, uh, not as an adult, as a professing believer. Um, We want to ask how you came to be at Hope City because it's good for us to know how people are finding us. Uh, We want to check that you agree with our statement of faith as a church, which is the FIEC statement of faith, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. It's a pretty standard statement of faith. It covers a lot of the important bases. And uh, we want to check that you are willing to go along with our policy on keeping secondary issues secondary. So things that are not of Uh, salvation importance, things that are not a question of whether you're a true believer or not. The way we want to do that as a church is we say, um, you don't have to hold the same position as anyone else. You don't get to poke anyone who doesn't hold the same position as you, um, but you get to welcome them. Um, So some of these issues we have to take positions on. We have to be one thing or another. So in terms of things like how we're governed as a church, um, I think that's a secondary matter. It's not a salvation issue whether you have um, bishops or whether you have elders or whether you have a congregation um, who votes on everything or other um, structures that people have come up with. But we have to be one of those. And so we're led by uh, a team of elders. That's how we do that one. So I'll say you have to agree that we keep secondary things second. If you want to take one of these things we call secondary and you want to make it a big issue and have a bun fight about it, this is the wrong church. You should go somewhere else, and um, uh, we'll help you find somewhere else um, that, that you'll feel more aligned with. Want to check whether you're uh, committed to and aligned with our vision as a church? We want to be a particular kind of church, not just any old church. Uh, we're trying to win as many people as possible, we're trying to be a church that sees as many of us as possible, everyone engaged in everyday mission, everywhere they find themselves. We want to check, are you really willing to support the church um, with your time, with your resources? We want to ask are you willing to submit to the leadership? Because that, that is ultimately going to be um, important. And then we want to ask a few questions um, so that we're aware of things in your background uh, that we should probably know. So what do you do? Fill out this form. It's not too terrifying. One of the elders will grab you for a quick follow-up chat. They'll cover off any potential issues. And then what we want to do is start publicly recognizing people as they join the course. So it's not like a super secret thing. We still won't start talking about it every week. But in our evening gatherings, we'll recognize people who are joining Sounds a lot like membership. Uh, it, it does sound a lot like membership, but it's not exactly the same. Um, one thing, there's this intermediate stage where you have a sense of belonging, a sense of welcome, and a level of participation. Uh, second thing, CORE does communicate better the level of commitment and engagement we're talking about. Membership can often feel like it's carrying a card, signing a paper. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, One more thing to say here, Uh, we're an elder-led church rather than congregationally governed. What I mean by that is the decision-making authority isn't the core group, uh, isn't democratic voting on things. Lots of churches run in that way. uh, It's definitely one way you can run churches, but uh, here the elders are the ultimate decision-making authority and the core vote on major actions like appointing an elder, like exercising church discipline. That is saying to somebody, your actions are not in keeping with your profession. 
And we want to ask you to change that for the sake of Jesus. That's what discipline is. But at the end of the day, it'll be the elders making decisions before God. Um, So I want to invite all of you who think about this church as being your home church. um, Fill out that form. Here's a nice tiny URL. HCC Join Core with those capital letters. And then you can fill out that form. Ewan. We should definitely follow that up with an email. Yes. Can we email that one round? We're going to email that one round. That's brilliant. So you don't have to do it right now. That's okay. But we would love you to do that soon. Uh, formalize your partnership. Um, we tried to make it as painless as possible, but it will take just a few minutes to work through. And then we look forward to welcoming you uh, into the core over the coming weeks. I know people are pretty allergic to commitment in our kind of Western, um, kind of postmodern universe. But as Christians, it is right to commit to a church. Um, it is right to be a part of one particular part of Jesus' body. So have a go as soon as you can. Any questions on this idea of core, on the sorts of things that we're asking there that I can answer just now? If you want to ask something anonymous, you're welcome to ask that through the pigeonhole Q&A, and we'll pick that up in just a minute. Cam? Is there an age limit on joining the core? We've not talked about this. I think the answer is uh, probably not. No, no, there's not. Uh, yeah, well, you, you, have to, you have to be able to um, evidence that you have made a faith commitment and um, that you understand uh, where we are as a church. Yeah, but we're not going to say you have to be 18 or 16 or anything like that. Sarah? This form is for everyone, not Charlotte. This form is for everyone. Yeah, what I'm saying to the Charlotte people is it's great that you were members at Charlotte, but that's done now. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, anything else on that? I know it feels all formal, but it's part of kind of the administrative mechanisms that we need to have in place. And it's part of, we have to have this working so that we can be a growing church that welcomes new people all the way into the middle. We needed a system to do this sort of thing. Joe? What are we going to do with that information? It's going to be confidential to the elders. We're going to retain it so that we know people told us that they uh, agreed with our um, positions on matters and uh, we know that they told us uh, that there weren't other things we needed to be aware of in their background from a safeguarding point of view. So we're going to retain it from that point of view. Um, but we're not going to do anything. Well, we're gonna, and we're going to ask questions about issues that it raises. So um, I think there are probably some things that we would like to understand where people are at on. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but like elder interviewer sounds really scary. Um, we don't mean for that to be a scary thing, but we think it's right that there's an in-person interaction following up. Yeah, answer any of your questions. Can answer our questions. Becca? Is the form the only way that people ask? Yeah, I think so. Um, but unless so there's a good reason there should be otherwise. Tell me other things that... I think what we could do, if, if, you, if you are allergic to filling out forms, we could ask you the questions on the form, but we would like to write down your answers. So we'll fill the form in with you, alongside you, um, just because I think it is wise to retain that, um, th- those answers. Pat? Well, I didn't follow the question, sorry. Uh, you said there are certain things that the congregation would vote on. Yes, sorry, yep. You would have to be in the core. You would have to be in the core to have that vote, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise you might have, uh, as has happened in the past, a whole bunch of people show up at your church meeting uh, who don't go to your church and aren't a part of it and aren't aligned with it, um, try and um, shipwreck things that are going on. So you would have to be in the court to vote. Uh, there's another question. Yes. No, no, so that, that's exactly why we've got these, these two rings. We want to say, um, you're welcome. Yeah. Everyone is welcome. We, want, we actually want, specifically want people to feel like you belong, even if you're not in the core. Uh, you're a part of this church. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't have to be in the core to be a part of this church. We haven't published that, but there is a list. Yeah. Um, so, so that people could know, do I have to, to get into this activity? Um, yeah, well, fine, we'll publish that list. That's okay. Uh, the way I want this to work is I want us to look at somebody and say, do you know, you've been given gifts by God. We would love you to serve. Come on in and serve. I, I see in you somebody who could host our Sunday gatherings. I see that in you. I want to invite you to come and join the course so you can do that. That's the way I want it to work. So an invitation in. Yeah. Yep. You want loads of people. I want loads of people. Join in, no matter where they are on the journey, so I'm just teaching this fabulous cake. Is it good? Carrot and raisin. But you know, you want people to join in and get involved, no matter where they are on this journey. But then, but you can't actually preach. Yeah, if you're not aligned with us on yeah what you believe, that's right. Um, so I guess that's why I've been reluctant to talk about this is because it feels like something that excludes people. We really don't want to exclude people. We really want to welcome people. It feels like something that makes people not belong. But that's not what we want to do with this. This is a kind of a protective fence in the middle. Belonging comes uh, with being a part of the, the wider ring. So I guess it is hard to say things like this and then not have it feel like that. But it's not, it's not what we're doing it for, to exclude people. We want to be a welcoming uh, place, a family. Any more questions on that? Yeah, David. It is for everybody to fill in this form. We're saying we haven't, we haven't bootstrapped, we haven't kind of prepared the ground for this at all. We want to start afresh, essentially. We want to start afresh. So, so we're going to ask everyone to fill it in, even if you already feel like you are the center of the universe. And I think I'll ask Dave to fill one in, and I think he'll ask me to fill one in too. And uh, we'll, 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 be, uh, we'll level with you. Um, but again... This is not designed to exclude. That's not what we want to do with this. We want people to feel welcome and feel like you belong. You're a part of the body, uh, even if you don't want to cross that line. That's okay. You just have to cross that line to do some things. You know. If anyone decided to move away or move to another church, is there, are they required to remove from this core? I think it wouldn't make sense to be in this core group if you weren't regularly worshipping with us. I think what we would do is we love to send people out and to bless them as they go. I think what we want to do is say, go, um, go with our blessing and go, go be right in the core of somewhere else. I think that's probably what we want to do. 
Um, you can still be our friend. It's okay. We'll still talk to you. We can still come. Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. So is there some sort of, can we have some sort of policy, some process for people who are moving on to ensure they don't just disappear, um, but that we care for them all the way until they're part of a new fellowship? Absolutely, and, and we're already doing that without administrative records. We don't need administrative records to make that possible, um, but it would definitely be part of, of what we would expect to do. Yeah. Um, yes, Pat, sorry. Yeah, that's right. I would, th- I would feel that way for anyone who has been here regularly. One of the arguments people make about membership is they say we have to have membership so we know who we're responsible for as a church. Um, because once you've kind of crossed that line of membership, we're formally responsible for you. I feel like um, if somebody was to sit among us uh, for months and months and months, uh, but never cross that line, uh, I couldn't stand before Jesus and say, I got no responsibility for them. They didn't fill out a form or sign anything, nothing to do with me. I feel like that responsibility comes naturally by belonging in the body. So I would feel like that applied to anyone. Pat? Yeah, we don't, we don't have like a written constitution to go with this yet. Uh, we just have these commitments to the core votes on elders and the core votes on discipline. And I guess we would think of removing from membership as being an element of discipline. But you're right, we need to understand when people are no longer actively a part of this worshipping community, we need to say, you don't belong in the core anymore here. Yeah, fair play. So we need a written constitution for charitable status. We do have one of those. As far as the Charities Commission and Companies House, so that the regulator for companies are concerned, uh, we already have a very detailed set of rules and procedures. But what doesn't happen is um, none of you become part of, none of you have legal relations to those entities. It's only the trustees or the directors who are governed by that. And we don't propose to make this core thing have any bearing on the legal entity, um, the company, or the legal entity, the charity. So we don't need a written constitution for our core people. From that point of view, we already have a written uh, articles of association for our corporate entity. Um, Cam. I haven't thought about that, honestly. So if you're away for nine months of the year, say as a student, Catherine, um, just, <laughs> and many other people, um, would you, should you still be... Uh, we have not thought about it, sorry. I think the answer is yeah. Yeah, we would do that. 
<laughs> I, I think I think we would still do that. I think I think we would feel like you're a part of it. That's right. Students come home. The, the students don't actually leave their parents' families. That's what I heard. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Yes, for the legal entity, well, we have, a, we have two legal entities. We have a company limited by guarantee that is a registered Scottish charity, and the directors of the company and the trustees of the charity are the elders. And the, uh, the power for appointment into those legal roles um, lies with the elders. They appoint themselves onto the legal entities, but that's not how we treat the church. The legal entities are not the church. They're the vehicle that we use to manage our... Um, legal status. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wants to see the um, articles of association, they're public and you're really welcome to them. If you want to know why we wrote them the way we did, uh, I think most of you probably don't, but if you do, I can tell you why we wrote them the way we did. They've got some unusual provisions in them um, that are designed to enable us to ultimately um, pay uh, um, more than a minority of our elders. So that's why they look a little bit different to kind of standard boilerplate um, uh, articles of association and that's because ultimately our view is that we would like to have a plural bivocational leadership that's ultimately where we would like to be and we did take legal advice from nice guys who are pros absolutely a lawyer wrote them not me I didn't make them up it's okay um, but I did give him input sorry I know there's a lot of questions but this is uh, it's a new issue for us to talk about right um, anything you'd like to ask privately, just ask it privately. Um, we're not a church that has you know, secrets. Don't keep secrets. It's all, uh, all out in the open. Anything you want to push into pigeonhole to ask anonymously, just do go ahead and do that. I want to answer your questions. Uh, Hope City Hub is the code. Hope City Hub. I'll just look at the timestamp on there and see... Uh, <clears throat> Good. Um, any any more questions? Don't want to come off too early. Do you want to finish? The, we'll do that at the end, though. I'll do the I'll do the pigeon on Q and A at the end. All right. All right. All right. Going once, going twice, Kino. I think voting will be irregular enough um, that we'll be able to do that. Uh, with human processes and systems. Yeah, we don't hope for that to happen often. Good. Sorry, Hope. Yeah. Are we going to try and make um, Hope City a place that's inclusive, no matter where you're travelling from, rather than something that's Edinburgh-centric? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the founding principles was that we wanted to be a gathered church rather than a local church. And um, so every time we take steps away from that and steps that move us towards being a local church, um, we're, we're heading in a direction we didn't want to. The reason we wanted to be a gathered church was driven by our goal that each one of us would be engaged in everyday mission with the people around us wherever we are. And the people around us uh, 
when you work in an office in the center or you go to a school on the east side or you live in a house um, further to the west, um, we want you to think of them as being people you could reach, people who could come to our church. So we're deliberately a gathered church. And when we fail on that, we made a mistake and we want to we fix it. So if you travel from Glasgow, <clears throat> you earn bonus points. Um, Pat asked, do we, have a, do we have a plan in the future to introduce deacons? Deacons is another biblical office of service in the church. You'd find them in Acts chapter 7. If you wanted to read about them, you should read carefully, though, because deacons do uh, unexpected and surprising things, not primarily related to looking after the church roof. Um, so uh, I think I'm probably still thinking uh, about that, and uh, I think we've got what we need for now with uh, elders and a core. But it's a great question. Overseeing, yeah, the moment, yeah. Yeah, but we have processes and systems. Ooh, email care app if you want to activate them. We'll move on, but we can come back. You can get me afterwards. Some people want to go, so we'll just keep moving. Right at the heart of who we are as a church is this idea of every one of us being involved everywhere we find ourselves in everyday steps of mission, right? We want all of us to share the call to go and make Jesus known, not just gifted, not just pros. We want this to be our mission everywhere we find ourselves, not just when we're on our own patch or in just one slice of our life. And it's a mission that we advance, we think, through everyday actions. We've talked about uh, begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve with love, share your story. Makes a handy acronym. Bless. Should have had a slide for it. We've got great slides for that. I've got nice bookmarks. If you want a bookmark to remember that by. Um, but there's a variety of ways in which we could advance the mission. Small, everyday things. We want to go on about this uh, as long as we are around. Uh, but it is helpful for us as a church to have catalysts to help us get started uh, or catalysts to help us get restarted when we've kind of fallen off the horse or just to move things forward where we feel like we've got a bit of a stalemate. Um, so I wanted to highlight three catalysts to you just now, ask you whether you think you could be involved in any of them. So John this morning talked about a, uh, is it, what's it called? What's the proper name? It is Hope City Choir. <clears throat> it's going to have a name. There's, there's a choir yet to be named um, this Christmas. And if you could imagine being a part of that yourself, brilliant. Uh, I am really looking forward to hearing your voice. And I love some beautiful music around our Christmas gatherings. But this isn't just about making beautiful music. It's also a tool to broaden or deepen connections. It's a shared project. It's a shared endeavor. And uh, that helps you take a relationship and grow it deeper when you share a project together. Perhaps you've got a casual relationship with somebody alongside. You want to get a bit more connected? Go with them through a shared endeavor like this. It'll be stressful the day before you sing, and you'll feel closer as a result. You'll have an activity, a regular activity in common. Uh, it's a jump start. Uh, it's a natural conversation starter because you're going to sing about Christmas and Jesus and stuff like that. And there are going to be words all around you to talk about. And there are going to be rehearsals where these things are in the air. Um, there's going to be, uh, there's gonna be cake. Uh, it's a free invite to church for your friends because they're going to sing there. So they have to come. That's how it works. That's kind of cool. You don't, um, it's an amazingly easy way to connect some of your friends with other people from church. Because there'll be the rehearsals too. Uh, they get to experience a bit of what it's like to be in Jesus' family. So do you like to sing? Can you sing? Would you be willing to sing for the sake of the gospel if it came down to it? Because if you have friends who love to sing, then 
Um, strangle that cat. We don't care. Um, do it. Uh, it's brilliant because it's a fixed-term commitment. You're not saying, come and do this forever. You're saying, seven weeks of rehearsals. Um, two chances to sing. So, catalyst number one, community choir. Catalyst number two, uh, why not plan on having a Christmas party for the sake of the gospel? We've talked about this in the past. Why not join one if you can't host one yourself? People totally expect there to be parties at Christmas. It's not weird. It happens every year. Uh, Why shouldn't one of those be your party? Invite who you like. Uh, Invite a small group of close friends for deep uh, and warm discussion. Invite absolutely everyone you know and have a hoaching madcap thing. That's fine. Pray, see what conversations you end up in. You could, you could build a carefully planned event with some carols, with a clear presentation of Jesus' message. Or you could build a totally casual thing with no plans at all beyond inviting people into your home and sharing conversation with them. Or you could, invite, you could build an event that's all about friends you already know and going deeper with those friends you already know. Lots of ways to do it, but if everyone here um, committed to hosting or joining a Christmas party, that is a lot of contact. It's a lot of opportunity That's a lot of potential. It's something we want you to plan on doing, something I'm planning on doing. I want you to plan on doing it too. We'll be praying about it together as a church. Uh, So Catalyst 2, Christmas party. Catalyst 3, Bethany Shelter, like we've done in previous years. We're hoping to provide the the catering volunteers for a number of evenings at Bethany's Night Shelter. Uh, The way we've done this in the past, which I think is a good plan, is ask you, if you want to volunteer, why not bring someone with you? who doesn't know Jesus yet. Why not serve uh, alongside somebody from outside a church? It's a good thing. So most people would be happy to come and feed the homeless at Christmas time. It's a good thing. It's an easy invite. It's not difficult or weird. It's not hard. When you're serving together, well, you're sharing the stress of having to feed a horde of people. um, And uh, that helps you build uh, stronger connections. You're in a context where many of us feel uncomfortable with people who aren't like us. That um, will help you build um, shared projects, shared adversity, build deeper connections. Friday the 13th of December. Friday the 13th of December. You get to connect your friends with friends from church so they see a bit of how we are together. And uh, I think there's a bit of content from Bethany. Is that right, Luke? Luke's not here anymore. He's gone. Is there some content from Bethany in the evenings? Do they say anything? Or is it just feeding people? Praying beforehand. Okay, so there's just a little bit of content for your friend to experience as they're there. Ed is the organizer-in-chief this year. We'll talk about it more, but if you already want to sign up and bring a friend, then you can tell Ed. Three can. Yeah, there's a little bit of a poke, but you're not doing it, which is quite nice. Three catalysts for you to make use of in this next season. A community choir, a Christmas party, a Bethany shelter. Of course, why don't you come up with your own better ideas? These are just three ideas. Have better ideas. Have more ideas. That would be brilliant. Uh, We'd love that. Actually, we want to celebrate that. One of the things we try and do quite often in our Sunday evening gatherings is have you tell stories of what you've been up to. And we would love some new stories to tell. That would be brilliant. Inspire one another. Celebrate our efforts. Two last things to talk about. You're doing really well. Thanks for your patience. Um, first, one of the things the elders are conscious of is we want to understand how we're getting on at engaging with this everyone, everywhere, everyday mission. Does it make sense? Do you understand what we're talking about? Is it, uh, are you up for it? Uh, are you able to get started? Is it working? Where are you stuck? What's most difficult? What can we do to help? So I want to ask you to help us understand where we are by filling in a survey just now. I want you to do this just now. If you don't have a digital device, um, you can borrow one from a friend after they've done it. This is really easy. This is a two-question survey. 
um, you can do this while I netter at you. Our hope is to begin to regularly ask the same questions so over time we get a sense for are we making any progress? Are we still stuck with the same things? Or are we actually moving things forward? That's what, that's what it's for. Uh, if you don't have a device, I can go and find you a device as well. Or you could just borrow the person next to you's device after they're done. The elders will sit down and look closely at the state. It's all anonymous, by the way. I don't, need to, I don't want to know at all. It's not about pointing fingers. It's about understanding where we are as a church. Um, we'll talk about what you said and what our next steps are at the next time we're together for a church hub. We'll tell you what the scores on the doors were. I was thinking I should probably fill that in too. And Pat is looking like he wants his phone back. On the first one, yeah. On the second one, you can have lots. It's because otherwise it's hard to actually treat it as aggregatable data. Like you care. Cake break. Well, actually, there's just one last thing and then Q&A. So while you think about that, I'm going to distract you as you think about it by telling you other things. Um, I spoke early, uh, earlier about how we're an elder-led church. At the moment, uh, our elders are me, um, Dave, and Ian, and hopefully you see quite a lot of us. Um, and, uh, but we're growing, uh, and we're planning to plant again, and we want to begin to expand this team so there are experienced elders ready to send out and they've already had the experience of being on a, a leadership team within a church before we send them out to plant. So today, uh, we want to recommend Luke to you uh, as a new elder. Uh, many of you will know Luke. Uh, if you don't, um, you can track him down and quiz him, do 20 questions uh, or whatever you like. Um, he's fab. Uh, he'd be delighted to um, chat with you and uh, share some more of who he is with you. It's a big decision. Um, to have him in authority, so we're going to ask you to think and to pray uh, about that. Uh, the three of us existing elders, we heartily recommend him. Uh, what we've seen, uh, we believe he's qualifying, we believe he's good at it. Um, if you have any questions or any concerns about appointing Luke, you should see me or Dave or Ian and let us know in total confidence. We're going to have a period of reflection. We'll come back and vote on this once we've sorted out that core thing. Because um, can't vote yet because we don't have people in the core. But we just want you to know uh, what we're planning on doing there. So you'll see it coming. Think about it. 
Another appointment I want to make you aware of is Selassie very kindly has agreed to join our finance team. Uh, we're really thankful to Angus and Rachel who've worked really hard serving in this way already. They've got a lot on their shoulders. Uh, and again, we're trying to look ahead to the horizon and think we want more people to have experience and familiarity with these sorts of things as we get ourselves in a position to multiply. So we're really excited that Celeste's willing to take that on. Thanks, Alex, for giving up uh, her for a few more evenings. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, I know you guys carry uh, a lot of things behind. The finance team's work is basically invisible when they're doing it right, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes to make things work. So we're really thankful. Uh, we want you to know that. Why do I want you to know that Celeste's joining the team? Because she will have access to confidential donations information. So if you have any concerns about that, please speak to one of the elders uh, in the next week. So she'll have that access um, to that information. That, that's all. Q&A. Should we do some Q&A or do you want to keep typing and thinking? Let's do some q and I'll just go click my buttons. Mm-hmm. Do we have any mechanism in place for the spiritual care for church members? Well, we don't have church members for a start, so that doesn't really work. Um, but we do have people who've been to New here, who attend regularly, and soon we'll have people who've joined the core. Do we have mechanisms in place to care for them? Um, we do. Um, the elders, we meet every couple of weeks. Uh, as we meet, uh, we uh, spend time uh, talking about and praying about um, different people's situations and thinking about what we can do, what actions we can take to support and encourage them in those situations. But we really don't want to create something that is super-duper, uber-centralized. So we also have a system um, of care that clicks in when we know of concerns where we can engage more of you in delivering that member-to-member care, which is really um, important and really what the Bible so often speaks of uh, as looking after and encouraging and spurring on and supporting and carrying the burdens of one another. So we think it's really important that it's one another And the way we do that is if you email care at hopecityedinburgh.org and you let us know of, their, uh, of any situation that you think we might not be aware of, we'll um, bring into play um, supporting um, people who have said they'd be willing to serve in that way and uh, connect them. If you don't like email, you can talk to me or Ian or Dave in total confidence and uh, we'll um, hopefully already be aware of things. Um, but if we're not aware... Um, then you'll make us aware and we can take action. So we do have some systems uh, behind the scenes that help get member-to-member care running, um, but it does rely on us uh, bringing those into play. That makes sense? Next up. If you bring up a problem or query to the core elders, but they decide they just don't want to enter into a dialogue, even if it's a valid point, does that mean that it's the be-all and the end-all and that's it? I'd be very surprised if we weren't willing to enter into a dialogue on anything. I, uh, if you've experienced this, do come and tell me, because I obviously haven't noticed, because m- my goal is always to enter into a dialogue on things. Um, uh, if you feel like we're ignoring you, I think you should, definitely, you should definitely bring up your concerns to, maybe you've spoken to one of the elders, and you feel like they've not heard your concerns or not paid any attention, then you could speak to others of the elders. Uh, but it may, it may be the case that in the end we are going to disagree over some matters and uh, in that case we are going to disagree over them and um, we don't 
have to agree on everything to be a church together. We need to be able to walk together uh, in grace, uh, understanding we have one Lord. So I would say, if you feel like you've not been heard, if you feel like there hasn't been dialogue, approach another elder. Try somebody else. Uh, If you feel like you've approached lots of elders and just nothing is happening, then it may be the case that we disagree. If you can bear that disagreement in grace, um, then please um, do stay with us. We don't all have to be um, absolutely, but if if it's a if it's a uh, an issue that you feel means you must go uh, and worship with another family, then uh, I think it's important to be feeling like you're aligned with your church. If you feel like you're not aligned with us, it's going to harm your engagement in mission and your uh, ability to learn as we meet week by week and your ability to bless and serve others. So if you feel like you've spoken to us, you've raised the issue, we disagree. Um, it's a disagreement that you're not comfortable with, then, then perhaps the right thing to do is to think about another church home. Dave, sorry, I've hogged the mic because I love microphones. Um, I think the only thing to say about that is when we meet as elders, I think we're all very conscious that we're, we're really not um, uh, capable, if that's the right word, or we feel certainly that... Um, we need the Lord's help. So, yeah, we're, we're vulnerable, we're, we're sinners, and um, we accept that we do make mistakes at times. So, uh, yeah, we do keep you in your prayers, but yeah, obviously if there are things that um, you need to talk about, then um, hopefully you will find one of us will be um, open to having a chat. Stick around. If you're the member of another church, can you be in the core? And can we make a youth? That's totally two questions. (laughs) That is totally two questions. Generally speaking, if you're the member of another church, if you're regularly committed to another body, then you probably shouldn't be in the core. However, there are probably special cases, such as if you're a student somewhere else and you want to be committed to both of your churches, that would be a cool thing to do. Um, But it would be kind of odd to be uh, a member at two different churches and going to whichever one you feel like um, that week. That would be a strange thing to do. I probably wouldn't encourage you to do that. Go somewhere. Be somewhere. Can we make a youth group? I don't know. Um, It would be be pretty small if we made a youth group just now. Uh, I'm, I'm wary of getting busy. And having loads and loads of events on that we need to run and find people to operate. Uh, I think youth groups can be real blessings, but they can just be another wheel to turn, uh, a piece of entertainment and things like that. So if you think um, that we should have a youth group, why not come and talk to your elders and tell us why we should have a youth group and how we should do it, and uh, we'll listen to you. Cam. As a church, do we, do we kind of organize engagement with bigger Christian events? Uh, we've done some of that, I guess. We've plugged camps and conferences and different things, and I think we'd be quite happy to, to do that, especially for events that are relevant for our youth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I guess if you want to run a youth group, um, you know, this is your church and your building, and uh, you, you could quite likely do that. So, so you could definitely come and talk to us about it. We're open. And I'm going to give this to Dave. If someone who's not in the core brings up a valid issue, but someone in the core or an elder disagrees, is your opinion or view rendered useless, not valid? Um, Definitely not. 
As Matt explained, there are certain things we hold dear, and um, there are certain things which we hold um, more loosely. Uh, We call them secondary matters. There are um, plenty of Christians who would disagree over a number of things, but they hold them with um, firm conviction. Um, I would like to think we were always open to uh, discussion, and um, I would never like to think that we would render anyone else's opinion not valid. Um, we may disagree, as Matt has already said, um, uh, in which case um, we would like to think that we would have our reasons for disagreeing and we'd like to think that um, we could agree to disagree. You want to talk to us in person? Come and talk to us in person. We'd, we're happy. Can I start evening, midweek Bible study at home at church? Um, uh, the answer is uh, we have been deliberately trying to reduce the number of things we're doing as a church to make sure we've got time for connection with people around us who don't know Jesus yet. And uh, one of the things that does happen to churches is they get very, very busy with lots of activities that people feel like they ought to go to, and then people end up so busy in church activities they don't know anyone outside. That's the kind of end point where I've been anxious about, and I've been trying to push us away. That said, uh, I've realized that not all of you have lives that are quite as busy as mine, and uh, it is uh, also the case that people in different situations sometimes need more contact and connection. So we already have a, um, a women's morning Bible study on Fridays. That's an example of a midweek thing going on, uh, and we are hoping to start some more of these things. I'm thinking about them as being affinity groups, people who share something in common, getting together to do something. I'm thinking that I would like two kinds of affinity group. One kind that gathers people from inside the church and helps us together um, to consider what we believe and to spur one another on into mission. And another kind of group for people who have something in common, who are both inside and outside the church, to build connection and build relationship. I'd love both those kinds of groups. So what we have is we've written a brief statement on uh, a policy on um, what we want to be true for you to start a midweek group. We want it to um, advance the mission of the church. We want it to understand uh, it is under ultimately the authority of the elders as a church group. We want it to know what material you'll be studying, um, so you don't study just anything crazy. Um, We want to review that periodically, and uh, we want the groups to be open, not closed. I don't like the idea of cliques and groups that um, keep people out. If you want to see that policy, I'd love to share that policy with you. If you want to start a group, uh, come and talk to us. We would like you to start a group. That would be great. Kino, you had your hand up. It's waving. It's just waving. It's Susan. So the, the balance between the different things we do in our morning gathering is something we do watch closely and something that's always going to be uh, attention. Um, certainly notices have the tendency to get bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, we really want to fight that. We're trying to be quite disciplined about it um, but we're obviously not being disciplined enough and we, um, 
want to commit uh, a specific amount of time to prayers um, together as a church. So we should be able to fence that corner of it. But when one is growing and the other feels like it's shrinking, um, that's a kind of movement that we're not, we're not trying to deliver. In terms of can we not have notices at all, uh, unfortunately, there is no channel that works well enough for that. So um, Facebook doesn't reach everyone by a long shot, and uh, lots of things on Facebook just disappear into the ether. Uh, our email perhaps doesn't get as many opens as sends, and uh, even when uh, one speaks about something on a Sunday morning, uh, many people don't uh, hear what's been said. So the, the, the best practice is to communicate through multiple channels important things, but I think the question of what's important enough to be communicated is one we need to come back to, and we need to be careful to only... Um, let through the most important things into what's precious and limited time. So, thanks for the pointer. We can try and keep that. Yep. Uh, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, can we have communion occasionally in the morning because evenings are not accessible to everyone? The answer is absolutely uh, yeah. I had intended for that to be something like quarterly and uh, just missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because we want to talk about, with a wider group, um, we want to talk more about what communion is and who should participate and how it works. So I think we would want to um, let that be known in advance. But yeah, absolutely, we need to have, we need to have that. And our apologies, my apologies for not um, organizing that. Thanks, Pat, for that helpful contribution. <clears throat> Let's call them affinity groups, which you can attend if you share the affinity. Neither can you join the board game group if you don't care about board games. Sarah. Are there, no plan, are there any plans for a regular prayer meeting? There are no plans at the moment for a regular prayer meeting. Again, I'm worried about getting busy. Uh, I think attendance at the prayer meeting can be seen as a kind of mark of goodness within the church and can become an obligation. At the same time, we recognize prayer is central um, to the life of the church. And uh, we've done a few things to try and move ourselves in that direction. If you're not on the daily prayer texts, we would encourage you to join the daily te- prayer text service and pray along with us each day. Uh, we pray as part of our gatherings, morning and evenings. We devote time in our small groups to prayer. And the elders pray together regularly and pray for people. Um, but should we add a prayer meeting as well? I think the answer is probably yeah. Yeah, I think we probably should. And we should think carefully about who should attend and how it should work. Uh, I think it is... It doesn't feel quite right to me that there are some things that we know are challenges for people uh, among us um, that are not secret um, and that the elders pray about regularly, but I'm sure many of you would be delighted to pray about them regularly too, and it make a lot of sense to have a gathering for that sort of thing. But I'm cautious of kind of overburdening us with a busy calendar at the same time, so maybe steps towards it is the right amount. Um, good point, Hope.
So specifically the question is um, people who have disabilities that um, are related to sensory processing and where the volume sometimes can be too loud for them. But I think it's also a more general issue. Um, there's, there's, there'd be a number of people who would feel like um, it's too loud and a number of people who would feel like it is too quiet on any given week. And um, suggestion there, can we make some kind of seating that is specially for people for whom they really would prefer it to be quieter? I think that is a, that's a good idea if we can figure out how to do that acoustically. Uh, one easy option is um, to open up a kind of relay room. So we could, for example, make the space through there open during music, where if you feel like it's too loud, you're welcome to be in there. And that might be a, that might be a good step forward. But I think, in general, the provision so that um, people are not uh, uncomfortable is a, really, is a really good thing for us to pursue. And in terms of how loud it is, I guess... Um, I would like to work towards uh, a more consistent and objective measure of that. Uh, I was at a church in America, a big church in America, where the guy was sat with a sound meter on his sound desk at the back, and he said, I know the number we're looking for. Uh, It's 90 to 95 dB. That's where I want our volume to be each week. And I think it would be good for us to move towards that. I mean, that said, the space is a bit unforgiving, and um, it is louder and quieter in some corners. If anyone knows where a quiet corner is, that would be a good thing to know. Derek knows? So that's a, that's one, one coping strategy is not to be in the room. But if we were able to give some sort of relay and a gentle volume, that would be a, a more helpful middle ground. Sorry, and Al? Yeah, so from a technical perspective, what we could do is we could actually move the volume in one side of the room. And make one side of the room deliberately quieter? Yeah. Yep. So could physically do that. It would feel a bit like you're leaning over to one side all the time. But we could do that. Cool. Well, let's let's not. Yeah, but let's not get too far into solving the problem. Pat, one more. Earmuffs. I don't. I, honestly, I don't think it's that ear bleedingly loud that we that we need to. We did go to a church at one time in Seattle where it really was that loud, and they would hand out noise cancelling earphones for babies as you came in, um, because it really was that loud. Earplugs. We could hand out earplugs, Elma. So could we not just occasionally have one old hymn? Um, there's a lot of thinking um, behind the songs we choose and why we sing them. Uh, we definitely can use old hymns, and we don't just uh, demand that we sing new music at all. But when we sing old hymns, we want to... Um, I don't want to say too many things about this because it's uh, 127. So we want to deliberately sing a relatively small set of songs. Um, so that people who have been with us for a relatively short period feel like um, they can engage in all the different songs we're singing and don't get surprised by, oh, uh, you know, let's sing this old one that we all love that you've never heard. That's quite excluding. So we want to sing a relatively small set. In that small set, we want to sing songs that are uh, highly accessible, so we're careful about the language we use. Um, And uh, some of the older hymns have difficult language that you need to understand when we say how great thou art 
uh, art there is not used as painting, um, but it's uh, uh, an archaic verb form. So we wouldn't want to use that sort of language. There are loads of hymns that fit squarely within that, and uh, we would like to have a broader array of things we're singing from a broader set of traditions, and some of those should be the great hymns of the faith. So hopefully um, you will see some of those um, begin to join our working set of songs. Yeah. What we do, so one of the things we've been meaning to have for the longest time is a process to carefully introduce new songs, and we just haven't got there. Um, but, um, yeah, we would like to, we would like to deliver uh, that sort of variety and um, breadth. In fact, this evening, um, there is a new uh, hymn um, coming into our repertoire, which is um, going to begin to fit in that box. So, I, yeah, we would, like to, we would like to make that possible. Ella. Last one, Hope. Yeah, in terms of style, we want to be diverse and uh, join us at 5 p.m. this evening to see what we mean by that um, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different. Um, in terms of language, we want to be accessible. Simple, not simplistic, I think is a really helpful phrase. So we don't need to be simplistic. In terms of terminology, uh, I'm, quite, I'm quite deliberate about trying to be careful with the terminology we're using um, I think we can, as we introduce new songs, explain terms that they bring into play. And uh, the problem is that you have to explain it every week um, because we hope to see new people who don't have a background in the church with us every week. So it's better if we can find a simple way, but not simplistic way, of expressing the same thing that doesn't require technical vocabulary. Um, but we would, we would like to keep talking about this, but it's half past one. You've been really patient. That's 90 minutes. Um, you can talk to us and stick around. We would love that. Uh, we're back at five this evening. We're going to um, worship together. Uh, we're going to share time, uh, share the Lord's table. Uh, we're going to spend time in small groups. It'll be slightly shorter than normal because we've been around this afternoon, but we'll still keep those elements. Thanks very much. Thank you.